Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to dominate your career, then you are in the right place. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And Monica Marquez, ex-Googler, diversity expert, and senior corporate leader. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Nikki Barua, your host for today's episode. Have you ever hoped for your dreams to come true or wish that you were luckier in life? Well, if you want to succeed, then you must eliminate the words hope, luck, and wish from your vocabulary. That's the message from JT McCormick, whose inspiring story will convince you to follow his sage advice. JT was born the mixed-race son of a drug-dealing pimp father and a struggling single mother. He was raised in the slums of Dayton, Ohio. He suffered incredible abuse and racism and had multiple stints in the juvenile justice system. He barely graduated high school and has no college degree. No one expected him to succeed. Against all odds, JT overcame racism, poverty, and abuse to achieve the American dream, becoming a very successful businessman leading multi-million dollar companies. JT McCormick now serves as the president and CEO of Scribe Media, a publishing company that has been widely recognized as one of the best places to work and ranked as the number one top company culture in America by Entrepreneur Magazine. In this two-part episode special, JT shares his leadership principles, his core values, and his belief that no obstacle is too difficult to conquer and that the game can be won by anyone from anywhere. J.T. McCormick's story stands out as a powerful expression of human potential, our incredible ability to persevere in the face of adversity and achieve our greatest ambitions. Here's part two of two. Visit imbeyondbearers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with J.T. So um, let's talk about um, your... um, company, Scribe, which I'm a huge fan of, because we talked about your uh, personal journey and the circumstances uh, that you went through to become who you are today. And today, you know, you're the CEO of this incredible company, Scribe Media, that uh, really helps get people's messages out. You turn experts, um, you know, help experts turn their ideas into books, and you've not only challenged and disrupted the traditional publishing industry, but you've given a platform for so many people to find their voice, to get their messages out, and really transform lives all around. But what I also love is that your organization, your culture, your team, truly such an outstanding benchmark of what uh, company should look like. And having experienced it firsthand, I can attest to that because my favorite part of my scribe journey as an author was really working with your team. I mean, I used to look forward to all of those conversations. It was like talking to my best friend. And uh, it was just such an amazing experience. And I remember thinking, uh, and this is before I knew how many awards you guys won for best place to work and all of that. I remember thinking, my God, every single person I've interacted with on this team is not only absolutely outstanding, but there's a level of excitement I feel and just an absolute joy where I'm looking forward to them. <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to working with them and the consistency with which that, how that showed up is 
um, what not only led to a great outcome, but for me, the most memorable part actually became the journey. My journey from being an expert with ideas stuck in my head to becoming an author, you know, with a best-selling book and with being able to turn my message out into a movement, all of that began, began with Scribe. So I know there's a lot of shade there, but um, I want to learn more about how you lead, you know, tell oh. us more about that. And then we'll talk about Scribe and, and uh, you know, what you do, but let's talk about leadership. So I'll touch on something you just said, bro. If I made my day right now, when you just said that, that everyone you spoke with was, it was incredible. They were excited. Going back to satisfaction, one of the things that we've always pushed at is a phenomenal author experience mm-hmm. is, is what we want people to have. I've always said, you know, certain companies are in the product business. They sell you a product. Certain businesses are in the service business. We're in both. We, we have to make sure you have a phenomenal experience with this, the service side, and then we got to deliver an incredible product, the book. So we're, we're in both. And so when you said that, that means a lot because that, that shows that we're delivering on that phenomenal author experience mm-hmm. directly to my leadership style. Um, there's never one thing, but, but this would be the best way I could explain it. I'll give you a few details here. No one works for me. People work with me. So mm-hmm. I'm no one's boss. I'm no more important than anyone else on the, in the tribe. We call ourselves a tribe. There's 50 yeah. of us. And, and right now, one of the things that I'm most proud of is here we are in this virus disruption. We have not laid anyone off and we're not going to lay anyone off. And for me personally, that's a testament to how we have set up the, the company. Mm-hmm. We're, we're a strong company. Uh, we have no outside money. There's no VC money. There's mm-hmm. no private equity money. Uh, we're five years old and we're profitable. And so mm-hmm. when people start talking about unicorns with these fake valuations, you know, Uber's never made a dime. Lyft has never made a dime. WeWork's never made a dime. We're profitable. We're five years old. We're, mm-hmm. We are the real unicorns, not, mm-hmm. not these fictitious valuations. Uh, and, and so much of that comes from our culture. Uh, you know, so many little things. I'll give you another great example. You, you asked about my leadership style. I kept hearing people say low-level tasks. Oh, JT, you know, we need to hire a coordinator for these low-level tasks. And all of a sudden, it seemed just out of nowhere, it seemed like it was permeating the, the, the tribe, the office. I kept hearing low-level tasks. And so, in the middle of the day, one day, I, I said, stop. Everybody come together. And it was, it was Friday, so most everyone was in the office. I said, what the hell are these low-level tasks you all are speaking of? I, I know nothing of this. And, and, and they go, what do you mean? I go, well, we all know I'll take out the trash, right? And everybody said, yes. I said, many of you have seen me take out the trash, right? And they're like, yes. I said, has anyone ever seen me clean the storage closet? People are like, yes. I said, have I ironed the banner at a conference on the ground in my hands and knees in, in my suit? They said, yes. I said, okay, so what are these low level t- task you speak of because there are no high level and low level. There are only tasks that need to be completed. So we, we will no longer say low level task. Right. In fact, I'll take it a step further. How can you ever expect anyone 
to operate at the highest level of their ability if you're referring to their task is low level. Mm-hmm. I said, do the math on that for a second. And so we did away with, with low level tasks. I just, I, I find it to, to be offensive. And here's what's even more funny about it. Let the trash start overflowing and let's see how low level that task is. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you were describing that, I was thinking about your story about starting your first job of cleaning toilets and, you know, doing, being the best at it. That's not low level or high level. That's just, you've got a certain responsibility. You're part of the team that accomplishes a mission. Every little piece matters. And and, uh, every single person matters. And it shows. And and the reason I asked about your leadership style was because culture is never an accident. No. And what I experienced firsthand with Scribe was an absolutely outstanding culture, an absolute commitment to the success of the author, and an absolutely joyful and incredibly memorable experience in getting there. Yeah, that was not satisfaction. That was pure no, joy. No, <laughs> right? So, but the fact that there was so much consistency tells me that that is about culture. That's not yes. an individual. That's not an accident. That's culture right there. Well, um, and it, it's, it's interesting too, you said that, Nikki, because you go to so many companies and they're like, oh, so-and-so's the, the chief culture officer. And, and my attitude is this. If one person owns culture, nobody owns mm-hmm. culture. It, it, the culture is the responsibility, responsibility of the entire organization. And in fact, we're, we're so passionate about it. Our culture doc of our principles and values, it's public facing. So you can go and anyone can comment on it. Anyone can look at it. It's right there. And our mindset is this. So many people go to work with the company and they don't know what the company stands for, their principles and values, until they start with the company. Maybe on your first day of onboarding, then you learn what their principles and values are. And I find that to be backwards. Don't, shouldn't people know what they're getting into before they, right. they sign on? <laughs> and so we make ours public because you may not like what we stand for. Great, this isn't a fit for you. Right. So the, the last Well, one, what I'll, I also I'll, love about the culture doc is that it's in Google Docs and yes. it's constantly evolving yes. and people are editing it because I've been in it, by the way. And I saw that and I was just blown away. And I remember getting into the Google Doc and someone is act- actively making changes. And I was yes. like, isn't this the best example of a culture that is constantly evolving? And it's being yes. shaped by the people in it and it's getting even better and it's dynamic. And this, you know, editable document that's public is the best embodiment of that. Yes. Every, it's, it's constant improvement. How do we continue to learn? How do we continue to grow? You know, uh, the, the last piece I would say as far as the leadership for me, I find it interesting how many people have three letters after their name and, and feel they're a leader, or even if they have two letters in front of their name, maybe you have a doctor, DR in front of your name or honorable, you, maybe you're a judge, mm-hmm. but people will, you know, people are really quick to tout their credentials, MBA, PhD, right. uh, CEO, um, ESQ, whatever. And, and I've always said three letters don't, don't make you a leader. And yeah. so for me, if you are in a position of leadership, your role is nothing more than to serve and support. So for us, we don't have 
direct reports. So if you ask someone, oh, who's your direct report? We don't have direct reports. We have direct supports. If Mm. you are in a leadership position, you are nothing more than a support system. So in in looking at that, if when you go to most companies about us page, first thing you see are the the founders, the CEOs, the chairmen, blah, 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 executive team. If you go to our site, I'm at the bottom of the page because Mm -hmm. I believe that my role in leadership is to serve and support, be the foundation Mm -hmm. for the the leadership, I mean, for the, the organization. And I want you to actually see all the people who are actually doing the work long before you get down to, to mm-hmm. me. So that's the way the company is set up to where if you're in leadership, your role is to serve and support. Mm-hmm. My, uh, someone asked me this. Uh, my desk is in the middle uh, of the floor uh, of the office. And I, I told someone, I go, you don't have to have an open door policy if you don't have a door. <laughs> and so so I, I've got an open chair policy. Come sit down anytime. Because again, my role is to serve and support. My role is to be accessible in constant communication to, to pe- people will know that, you know, yeah, I'm CEO. I'm not all off hands. That means I need to be more on hands than, than anyone. Mm-hmm. And the last piece, Nikki, um, our income statement uh, for the company is public mm-hmm. uh, internally. You see exactly how much money came in, how much did we spend, how much did we spend on conferences, what's everyone's salary. You can see my salary. You can see mm-hmm. everyone's salary on there. If, if you're transparent and you put all the information out there, there's nothing to hide from, no water cooler talk, no mm-hmm. back channeling, and it, all of these things combined and much more, in our opinion, is why Entrepreneur Magazine named us the, the number one company culture in America. Absolutely. And so well-deserved because that kind of radical transparency and that kind of inspiring culture not only attracts the best talent, but I do believe that it also shapes um, the kind of clients you choose to work with. And your tribe isn't just within the company. Your tribe becomes everyone that um, is opting into that movement because they align with those same values and they believe in the same things. Um, For me, it was interesting as a scribe author that so many of my friendships got formed with other scribe authors because they had a similar sort of, they cut from the same cloth. And it was telling to me because as I looked at so many other scribe authors, I felt like there was almost an intentional way of how authors also accepted into uh, being part of this, uh, that there's a sincerity, there's an authenticity, there's a a genuine desire to make a difference. Uh, No one's out there saying, oh, I just want to, you know, get rich, get a book out and care what it does. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah, it's it, it, it's definitely a. We attract a certain type of author, and and you know, here's another piece of the culture. Every author is not a good fit. Mm-hmm. We we will fire an author. We will, mm-hmm. you know, here, here's something. Thirty about thirty percent of the people who contact us to work with us, we turn them away. Um, and 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 I'll give you the top two reasons we turn people away. Uh, number one. They've got a great book idea, but, but maybe not content. Okay, so mm-hmm. we can't turn you know a book from from nothing. You have to have the content for for a book. And then number two, they lead with, "I want to be a New York Times bestselling author, and I want to sell a million copies." 
those individuals are looking for fame and mm-hmm. they don't have a purpose for the book. If you're looking for fame, you got to call the Kardashians. That's not our business model. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, we, we work with authors who have a purpose for their book. Maybe they mm-hmm. want to grow their business. They want to, uh, you know, wealth advisors want to land more, more clients. Maybe they want to speak on more stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whatever the case may be, we want to work with authors who have a purpose for, mm-hmm. for their book. Like, like me, my, my purpose was legacy piece. I didn't want to sell any copies. That book was a legacy piece for my kids. I remember I even said to, to Tucker, my co-founder, I said, look, I don't care if the book ever sells a copy. I go, in fact, I only want five copies to leave as a legacy piece. But um, through a lot of conversation and, and uh, encouragement, we ended up making the book public and well, there you, have there you are, right? Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I, I can certainly attest to the impact it's had on my life and even my career because I went from being uh, an entrepreneur with a very successful business to feeling like there was uh, a story and a message that I wanted to share to um, inspire women that had um, been in the situation I'd been in before that felt stuck and didn't know how to overcome the obstacles and give them a pathway to go beyond those barriers and give them the instruction of how that had worked for me, worked for other people that I thought might help so many other people. And But having that idea and the framework isn't enough. You have to have the platform for it. And right. that's what Scribe did for me. And now, you know, uh, two years later, that um, book has turned in, you know, has given my message, um, you know, the platform it needed. And it's turned the message into a movement of found my voice. And I hear from people all around the world about how much difference it makes. And it's so... Um, it's such a grateful feeling to know that you could make a difference. And there's so many people out there that could do the same. So I want to talk about um, why sharing your message matters, especially in this day and age and how Scribe helps authors. So it's interesting. I, I, my mom used to say this to me when I was a kid and never did in a million years that I think that this was going to play a part in, in a company that I serve. So when I was a kid, my mother used to always say to me, everyone has a story. So don't judge because Mm -hmm. you don't know their story. And here I am now the CEO of a company that helps people tell their stories. And, And we truly believe as a company that everyone should should share their story. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's for different reasons. That's fine, but everyone has a story, and everyone should share that story. I, I've always been intrigued by how many people don't do a legacy piece, a legacy book. Uh, think think of how you you for instance, you came to this country to, twenty years ago, didn't have anything. So just think of the whole story that went into that. Mm-hmm. What happens to that story one day? How, how do people know? And, and, and maybe, maybe a few stories are shared here and there and some of them get lost in translation. But I've always just been intrigued by like the, the Ford family who can track 
six generations. You know, I, I can't track 30 minutes. Um, so it, it's, I, I've always found that, you know, people should share their stories regardless of what the reason is. If you want to grow your business, great. Mm-hmm. If you want to have a legacy piece, great. Credibility, thought leadership, lead generation, whatever the reason, everyone has a story and, and everyone should sh- share that story. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that, um, women tend to struggle with is this idea of fame and self-promotion. There's more um, comfort in helping someone or, you know, doing your job, doing a great job, applying your expertise, but there's discomfort in being known for it uh, or being able to, um, uh, what's seen as bragging and self-promotion is almost shunned. And I think it does a disservice because fame doesn't have to be self-promoting. It right. can be service. Uh, influence can be impact. Right. Tell us um, your perspective on that. So, and especially how you would guide women in looking at that differently because I truly believe that so many women have not only powerful stories and, and instructive messages, but they can inspire and influence in such powerful ways. And a book is a great way to do that. So I'd love for more women to consider you know, um, doing what I did with Scribe and being able to get a book out there. Um, but that self-doubt gets in the way, that imposter syndrome of who am yeah. I to talk about it? Or if I share it, you know, it sounds like I'm bragging and I'm uncomfortable with that. So, so it's, it's interesting. And you and I talked a little bit about this before we started. You know, I've got two daughters. I've actually got four children, but, but uh, two boys, two girls. And, you know, I want my daughters to be as confident as they possibly can be. I, I want them to be leaders regardless. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to force them down the entrepreneurial path or, or corporate or investment banking, mm-hmm. but I want them to know that every avenue is available for, for mm-hmm. them. And so having been raised by a, a single mom and now having two daughters, I've got a different perspective on women. I have found that women are actually better to surround yourself with. And I shared this with you. 65% of our organization is comprised of women. The four highest paid individuals in the company outside of myself are all women. They're all in leadership. And I woke up one day and I looked at that and I go, that was intentional and unintentional at the same time. I, I didn't just say I'm only going to have this, but intentionally, I, I believe I unconsciously created that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I'm huge on women speaking up, giving mm-hmm. their opinion. Uh, big fan of Brene Brown in mm-hmm. what she does and, and, and getting on stage and speaking her message and, and wanting people to, to hear their voice in, in having that seat at the table. And, and you and I talked a little bit about this as well. And I've, I've had several women ask me about this. You know, JT, what advice would you give to a woman who's in a position where she wants to move up, but she feels like she's being passed over or, or you know, mm-hmm. a male-dominated world, whatever? First, I got to say this. Again, being raised by a single mom, I am just appalled in 2020 
how does a woman do the same role as a man and is paid? How is that even still happening? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like, sure, right. because for, for me, While she's raising kids at home, by the right. way. <laughs> I mean, so, so, be, because for me, all I saw, my mom was the man and the woman. That's mm -hmm. because that's all, all I had. So I've just never been able to even understand how that's still a, a possibility. But I will say this to uh, women. I've, I've given this answer before. If a company, a person, an individual, an institution is not recognizing your self-worth, you have to first recognize your self-worth and don't wait for someone else to identify it for you. Love mm -hmm. yourself first. Believe in yourself first. Identify your self-worth first. And if they don't, you got to go somewhere and somewhere else that will. Mm -hmm. And some people will say, oh, my God, but JT, I've been here 11 years. I've spent my whole career here. Hey, I didn't say it was easy. <laughs> but you're going to have to make a move. That, so, so many people ha have asked me this, Nikki, and the same goes for, for women as well. Um, I said hard work. My, my, my formula is mindset choices and hard work equals success. And I've had people say, well, JT, it's not that easy. I go, I never put easy in the equation anywhere. I said, <laughs> mindset choices and hard work equals success. Yeah. Nothing said easy anywhere. Right. And, and I've had people challenge me and they'll say, well, JT, I live in a community that doesn't have uh, a lot of uh, opportunities. And I go, oh, that's easy. And they're like, really? I go, yeah, one word. And they go, what? I said, move. <laughs> <laughs> And they go, well, and again, it goes back to this, yeah. well, it's not that easy. I didn't say it would be easy. Right. It's doing what's right, not what's easy. Exactly. And so same thing for, for women is if a company, institution, environment, individual, spouse, partner, whatever, is not honoring your self-worth, the fact of the matter is you first aren't honoring your self-worth mm -hmm. because you're allowing that person to not honor your self-worth. So right. you got to go. You got to move. Move is a good move. word for that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Um, you know, the, um, the idea of um, influence and fame on one end is, uh, you know, it, can be a challenge to accept that, like, who am I? You got to get over the self-doubt. You got to believe in yourself and your message and why it matters. But once you do get that platform and you get that visibility, it does attract the haters as well, the ones that disagree, oh. the trolls, you name it, especially in social media. That happens very often. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is uh, by Tony Blair, the former uh, British prime minister, who talked about, when you decide, you divide. Mm. Half the people are going to support you and love what you are doing. Half the people are going to disagree and hate what you're doing and hate you as well. But if you don't decide you're not a leader. Leadership right. is about decision-making. Yep. Even if you're leading yourself, you got to decide and recognize that when you decide, you will divide. Um, and, and I think um, when you get that visibility, and I can share this from personal experience, your perspective, your decisions become visible. Yes. And you will attract the haters. What, how do you um, deal with it to yourself? And also, how do you guide 
other authors, other leaders in um, dealing with that because in social media, I mean, it does border bullying sometimes. So yeah. It can be very um, hurtful and difficult. Um, what's your practical advice for something like that? <laughs> so uh, I'll share two pieces with you. So I've been incredibly blessed that I never expected to speak on stages for a living. Mm-hmm. And, and what's even crazier is that people will pay you insane amount of money to, to do it. And, um, it's, and I got to share this with you, Nikki. At first, it was very hard for me to accept. And I was even angry about it. I had a bit of animosity because when I was a kid, no one gave my mother and I any money and we went mm-hmm. without and we were hungry. And now here I am. I don't need any money. I've got more than enough money to take care of my family. And now people want to pay me to tell them about when I needed money. And I thought the <laughs> irony in that, you know, when then I said to myself, God bless America. Uh, and then, <laughs> but but I, I struggled because when I needed it, no one was there. Now I don't need it. Now you want to give it to me. And so um, one of the greatest lessons to directly answer your question, one of the greatest lessons that was ever, uh, I, I was ever blessed with was I was eight years old and I was standing in the welfare line with, with my mother. We were standing there for our monthly handout of food stamps. And there was an older white lady in front of us. And she looked down at me. She looked up at my mother. She looked at me again. And she spit in my mother's face and she called her a nigger lover. And oh my God. what that lesson taught me were two things. One, I never wanted to be on welfare and I was, never, I, I was determined I'm never going to be on, on the system. And I remember standing there looking at my mother's face, humiliated, tears coming down her eyes. She had to wipe the spit. No one came to her rescue. We had to stand there. She couldn't leave. She had to stand there humiliated because she had to feed her mixed race child. And what, what it taught me personally was, wow, okay. And back to Tony Blair, I'm half white, half black, half and half. No one, I am never going to make everyone happy. There are always going to be people who don't like me. And at eight years old, I figured out that lesson. Oh, everyone's not always going to like me. So I'm not going to spend my time trying to make everyone like me. Unfortunately, for so many people, they don't learn that lesson until high school, maybe college. God forbid. It's or never. Their first career. <laughs> right. Or never. They spend their whole life trying to make every, trying to please everyone. And I learned that lesson very early in life because you're never going to make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. So just one, do yourself one of the greatest favors ever and accept that. Especially if you, you are wanting to be an entrepreneur, uh, move up the corporate ladder, uh, be, in, be an influence in any way that you're never going to make it everyone happy. What's really funny is I saw, speaking of social media and trolls, I saw someone wrote a post about me that said, I use my past and my story for sympathy. And I laughed because I thought, I don't need your sympathy now. I'm successful. I, I needed your sympathy when I was eight. <laughs> Do I give a damn about your sympathy at this point? Um, yeah. But it jumped out to me that, yeah. And someone, yeah. The, 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 criticize, the criticism also was, uh, now that I've made enough money, I should go back to school and educate myself. And I thought to myself, 
You've had the, the greatest lesson. life lessons. <laughs> Thank you. I thought to myself, the, the, the things that I've educated myself with, college will never provide me with. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the greatest lessons of all time, and I've asked, you know, my co-founder, he went to uh, University of Chicago and Duke Law School. One of our writers went to Harvard. And yeah. I've asked both, both of them. I said, okay, you guys have gone to school with some of the highest uh, institutions. Did they teach you attention to detail? They don't teach all of that. And <laughs> they don't teach that. Yeah. And so I, It's just like I, a I formula so. for success, right? I mean, yes. you, you learn about um, academic principles and, and subject matter, but you don't learn how to become who you need to be. Yes. Think, and, think of it this way, Nikki. If a Harvard business professor who has never run a business is teaching theory, Right. If you don't know what it's like to wonder how you're going to make payroll, what it's like to structure the company, hire people, exit people, if you've never actually done any of that, you're teaching theory. And so uh, for me, so back to your point, um, first and foremost, make peace with the fact that everyone is not going to like you. Yes, you you do have to carry yourself professionally. Yes, you do. You know, there, there are certain pieces that are required of you to move up the ladder, start your company, be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. But everyone's not going to like you. I say this all the time. We have 50 people in, in our tribe. I'm pretty confident there's three or four people that Eh, they're just kind of whatever. Okay, JT. And then there's a, a He's satisfactory. Bit. Right. I'm satisfactory, <laughs> you know? So, okay, great. You know, but uh, it's just the way it is. Everyone yeah. is, is not going to, to like you. So accept it, be happy and, and embrace it. Even hug it. Right. Say great. Yeah. It's uh, you have a path to go on and that just what comes with it. Um, And I think when you love yourself, though, and when you believe in what you're doing, it can be an incredible um, armor to deal with any of that where it doesn't actually break you and affect you and you're still able to keep going. Totally. um, Well, let's wrap up with your formula for success. Um, Share that with us and, uh, you know, help everyone learn exactly what has worked for you that I know will help so many other people. So there's, there's two, two parts there. One, my, my actual formula is mindset choices and hard work equals success. You know, what, what's your mindset? When I wake up each morning at four in the morning, you know, there, there are times where, you know, I'm, I'm human, you know, you don't want to wake up, you want to stay in bed. But I think to myself, wow, there, there's somebody in a hospital bed with cancer right now that mm-hmm. they can't get out of bed. And I jump out of bed and I say, hey, you know, it's a great day. So it's, it's the, the mindset is, is the first thing. Are you going to be positive or are you going to be negative? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a, the glass is half full guy. I'm not a guy, I'm not a half empty person. Uh, I choose to see the positives. I'm optimistic. Uh, it's, Negativity has never done anything for anyone, but positivity has moved mountains. Mm-hmm. So mindset, choices. We all have the choice. Do you, do you want to choose to be positive? You want to choose to be negative? You want to choose to be a victim? You want to choose to say, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? It didn't happen to me. It happened for me. And, you know, and, and here's, it's as basic as this. Each day when I go to the gym, when we're not in a virus disruption, uh, I got to pass a McDonald's. I'll own it. I love McDonald's. You know, some people won't admit it. I, I'll admit it. And so I, I have to say, okay, am I going to stop at the McDonald's or am I going to go to the gym? It's that simple. 
Simple choice. It, mm-hmm. it, we, we all have those choices. And then hard work, well, I, I've just always been willing to outwork everyone. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody works 24 hours, I'll work 25. You go 36, I'll go 37. Um, and, and again, hard work is, is the easy one for, mm-hmm. for me. We've, unfortunately, so many people in, in our country have lost that value of, of hard work. Um, and and I, I feel that in many ways it makes it easier to succeed now because mm-hmm. I'm willing to do what other people aren't. So yeah. mindset choices and hard work equals success. So that's my formula. But here's what, what's key to that. And they're, they go with one another. I have five pillars that I live off of. God, health, family, business, and investing. If it doesn't fall within those five pillars, I don't do it. Hmm. You you hear we live in a society where everyone is screaming work life balance, work life balance, and I'm like, okay, it's such excuse my language, beat me out if you need to. It's such bullshit, and mm-hmm. and the reason being is there's just life. We all have a career, we all have a job. There there's there's family, there's personal, there's there's just yeah. life. And what I find offensive by the the work life balance dynamic is the moment you say work life balance. Everyone goes directly to work. Oh, the four-day work week. Oh, don't work 60, 70 hours. Don't pick up your email first thing in the morning. Everything's work, work, work. No one talks about the life balance. How about you not binge watch from Friday through Sunday and then wake up on Monday pissed off because you haven't achieved your dreams and goals? How about you not go to the bar Thursday through Sunday and then be pissed off because you haven't achieved your dreams and goals? And it's interesting because... You've never heard anyone say, I've been studied my retirement planning this, this weekend. No one says that. And, <laughs> and, and so I find it offensive that people will immediately go to the work-life balance card, but yeah. they never talk about the life piece of it. So I have five pillars, God, health, family, mm-hmm. uh, business, and, and investing. If it doesn't fall within those five, I don't do it. What I'm taking away from that is you're looking at the choices and making absolute firm decisions about the outcomes you're truly committed to. And there's no variability then there. There's no uncertainty there. It's a total commitment. And in that case, you're not dividing up hours. You're simply committing to outcomes. Hours don't count. Hours don't matter because work-life balance, a lot of that discussion tends to be about hours. It's like eight hours for sleep, eight hours for work, eight hours for life. Well, that doesn't necessarily produce a great life. (laughs) Exactly. You you nailed it right there. It's about outcome and and results. That that's what what I'm looking at. It doesn't what result do you really want and what are you going to do to get it? Well, it's it's interesting right now too, and I know you've heard this with this whole virus disruption and us being quarantined and all this. People are are, are talking about this newfound time, with, with the exception of someone's commute to work. Because you know, if you have to drive an hour there and then an hour back home, okay, I'll, I'll give you that one. Uh, but even then, you can listen to audiobooks and and still be learning and, and growing. With the exception of commuting. There's no newfound time. Yeah. What's happening is people now are starting to realize that whole phrase of 
we make time for what we find to be most important to us mm-hmm. is now starting to really show itself because now you, if, if we as a society start to look at ourselves in the mirror and say to ourselves, why do I have this newfound time? You will start to realize you wasted a lot of time on bullshit. That's right. what you'll start it's to, because, to realize. It's because, you know, it's, if you're doing something you don't absolutely love that you're not passionate about, the only way you balance that is by self-medicating yourself with, you know, things that numb the pain of that, right? It's, it's almost yeah. like self-medicate with distractions, you know, watch a ton of TV or waste time or do whatever because you don't really enjoy what you're doing in the first place. So totally. Totally. Know the right result you want then you're, you already have that work-life integration because there's no division of time. You're just following right. a great uh, path. You hit me with this, Nikki. I promise I'll shut up after this. The, the, it's interesting. It's, a, it's a, a, a factual statistic. The average American, so that means there's people who do it more, some people do it less. Mm-hmm. The average American spends 53 minutes a day, a day on Facebook. Or oh. social media. Let me put it that way. On social media. Um, 53, do you know what I can accomplish and learn in 53 mm-hmm. minutes a day? And, and I'm like, wow, that's incredible. And, and it's interesting. Right now, you have all these public service announcements on, on TV. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. And I, and I saw someone, they said, oh, you know, guilt-free binge watching. And I thought to myself, guilt-free? I go, <laughs> This is the ultimate time where you can be learning things. You know, I am so blessed that I was born during the internet because anything you want to know is on the internet. And right. so it's what do you value? What are you going to put your time into effort and, and, and go from there? But yeah, guilt-free binge watching. <laughs> I guess it's guilt-free if, if after you do it, you don't bitch and complain that you're not where you want to be in life. So right. if, if you want to binge watch and, and you're happy, great, do, do your thing. But don't you dare binge watch and then complain that you're not achieving your dreams and goals. Right. I'd be curious if even Mark Zuckerberg spends 53 minutes a day on Facebook. That's, that's insane to me. And, and you know, the, the last piece I would share with, with your audience, don't let social media define success for you. Only you can define what what success is. If you want to live in a tiny house and make $30,000 a year and that's your definition of success, great. If you want to be the greatest teacher in the world, we all know teachers don't make a lot of money, but if that's your passion, that's what you want to do, then go be the greatest teacher in the world. But don't let social media define or, or dictate what success is. Half of it's BS. You know, there's, there's people posting pictures of their food. I don't care what you're eating for lunch, and I don't care that you just checked into Whole Foods. I don't care. You're spending time on nonsense, so don't let social media dictate what what success looks like to you. There you have it. That's uh, great words of wisdom and such an inspiring story and so much to learn from all of this. And what an awesome conversation. I could talk to you all day about this. Thank you for um, being so transparent, not only in your own journey, but in how you lead, because it's providing uh, inspiration to all the leaders out there to uh, build better organizations and to inspire uh, more people achieve their dreams. So thank you for unlocking the world's wisdom. You are welcome. And I'm going to share this with you. Okay. When 
you and I were, were getting together to put the podcast for, for yeah. me to be on. Uh, we use Slack as a, an internal communication tool. And they said, oh, JT, you know, Nikki, she's one of our top five favorite authors of all time. So we've worked with over 1600 authors and you're in the top five. So there you go. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, it was definitely not satisfactory. It was absolutely pure joy in the Scribe experience. So kudos to you and your incredible team and such a great company. I can't wait for my audience to learn more about this and hopefully turn their ideas into inspiration for the world and become Scribe authors themselves. So Excellent. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. So I am humbled. I am flattered. Anytime I can be of assistance, let me know. Got it. Thanks for listening. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com, where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode. And be sure to take the quiz on the website. Your score will tell you where you are, what helps you gain momentum, and what holds you back. You'll also get a free guide with cutting-edge career strategies. We'd also love to hear from you. Share your comments and topic suggestions on IamBeyondBarriers.com and we'll be sure to address them in future episodes. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and rate the podcast or just tell a friend about it. See you next episode.